this is Deo with Persevere to Excel podcast. I am super excited for this interview today. And uh, I hope you guys are having a great day. It's a sunny day in Manchester, New Hampshire with a little bit of breeze. That's how I like it. And um, I hope you guys are doing well. And today I have Katia with me. She is um, a business owner in our community. It's so funny because like every time people reach out to me, I know so many different uh, salon places, and I I always like refer your salon and other salon. And people are always like, I go there already, and I'm like, oh, super awesome. And we've never actually had a chance to to connect directly. We've communicated through social media, but today I have her in my podcast. She's here. So how are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm doing great in you. I've heard so much about you and your podcast and everything that you're doing in the community um, with local businesses, with children, with schools. It's really cool to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem at all. One one of the things that for me, it's like a lot of people ask me, it's like, what, what's your, so what do you do? And I'm like, listen, like, I just, I just try to live my life, you know? And I think I try to incorporate things that I'm involved with. So I'm curious to know for me, like, how, how did you end up in Manchester, New Hampshire? Like, how did you end up here? So I wouldn't come here by choice. <laughs> um, only cause New Hampshire so seems so far from the world although it's come a long way um i moved here when i was 13 my mom wanted to buy a house it was a lot more inexpensive to live in new hampshire my uncle was already up here so she would you know drive up back and forth from boston and then we ended up here so that's how i got to new to manchester um it was difficult in the beginning because there weren't too many of us black and brown people so you know you just kind of have to adjust and you listen to what your parents are telling you about like everything that's going around how different you are and just watch out for anything that looks weird or strange and you just keep it moving you know and, and how I mean, long ex- can you how, do? how long ago was that when you first um resettled to um new hampshire Oh, that was in 1991, a long time ago. Wow, so you, so you were here like part of the the first wave, the the original. That's the original Probably wave. Probably like the third or fourth black family here. Wow. Like See, I, I didn't move to New Hampshire until yes. 2000. So like, and I felt that was ages ago. And you were here in 91. So that's, man, you're you're like the, the OG black family in, in Manchester. The, the original. I do know another gentleman. His name is Manny, and um, yeah, and he moved. He's the first family. Oh my gosh! Like there were he's when he tells me stories, and I'm just like Manny. You're like you're like the historian, like the black historian of experiences that you experienced here early on, and um, so so now it's for me. It's now it's like Manny. Now it's you, and you know. So that's that's yeah. the next tier. So I'm curious. Like like music is like a big part of like what I'm involved with, what I like. Um, and when summer, like, it's like that transition between spring and summer, like, like usually like music changes. There's, there's a different type of music that's out there to get people excited. Like what type of music do you like? Like, what are you listening to right now? So right now, what gets me um, like started or, I, or jump started for this season would have to be 
I like a combination. I do like R&B. I like Afro beats, like dancehall, reggae gold. That's that genre. Um, what else? My my son and my husband makes music too, so I'm oh, always that's listening awesome. to what they're putting out. So um, there's always some noise in the house. So I listen to a little bit of everything. Cool, cool, cool. And, and there's nothing better than a little reggae or dancehall or Afrobeat in in like a nice summer day. And um, so that's cool. That's cool. So last year, um, Africa Giant with by um, uh, Burna Boy was was that was like my album. Like I just played it like nonstop. And um, and I yeah. feel like this year that's going to be the theme again. It's such a good album. Um, so uh, Burna Boy is an artist from Nigeria, if you don't know who Burna Boy is. And yeah. he released an album last year. So this is for my listener. If you don't know, you have to check him out. But um, yeah, music is such a, such a, it's just like infused. Do you play music at your, uh, at your salon? Yeah, so we play, um, we play a little bit. Um, we we kind of like, like to look at who's coming in first and set the mood so that it's uh it feels good in there with the different personalities that we have oh so you you cater your music in your salon yeah, based on your clients we do. we do man so that's how you wheel them in so they're sitting there and they, they oh, feel like wow i remember this song and that's you're like, awesome yes so that's how you will so they feel like it's a personalized experience and then when they step out you completely change the music to a different to a different artist because it's a different yes. person coming in <laughs> And they don't need to know that, well, right? They they don't know any of that. So, like, you know, depending on who's in there, we, like, kind of mix it up so that they feel like, wow, I listen to that. So this is cool, you know? That's awesome. That's great. I, I, I Last year, I ended up cutting my hair, and um, I had twists. And um, one of the places where I was going to get the twist uh, it just had this vibe like it just had the vibe like music yeah. was on people yeah. were talking smack as usual <laughs> there's always some rumor and and it was a predominantly female salon so like you know i remember one time i was sitting there and the, the, you know the conversation that was going in and i was just like i'm just in my head i said i'm just gonna listen because yeah. it was it, you know it was it was black women talking about black issues and it but it was just fascinating it just felt like i don't know how to explain it like it it, it felt refreshing for me like every time when i'm around like 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 black culture at at, at that it, from from like that standpoint where it's just like raw it's just like it feels refreshing to me i don't i don't know how to describe it and a lot of people ask me this all the time because i have such a diverse groups of friends from different places and um but when i'm when i'm around just like black folks that are just Feel being old. black folks you know what i mean like i'm just like i'm just chilling i was like oh this is awesome Feel but old. um You're like ready a hundred percent and i think i'm curious to know like how do you describe the vibe like, we're gonna stay there because i, I, I want to understand the vibe of your salon like how do you set the tone and what what influences you know the vibe that you try to create within your salon okay so um let me start off by like where I started. I started off, the first salon that I ever had was on Massabesic Street. Um, it's not the greatest area in Manchester, but it was such a great start because I got like, you know, the real deal of Manchester and they were coming in, they were getting their hair done. They were like, wow, we have a place to go to now. 
Um, and then I moved from there. I moved to Commercial Street over by WMUR. And it, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but how long is it? How long ago was it when you started your first salon on Massabesic Street? In, I started in ninety nine, two thousand. Yeah, like around ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. I was on Massabesic. And then I moved in 2000, gee, I don't even remember, maybe 2008, 2009, stayed till about 2017, and then decided that I was going to move. So each time I just wanted to like kind of upgrade so that that you can see that we progressed and that we are getting bigger and we're doing more. We want you to have a space that like looks nice so that you can feel like, Oh, I go to this place. It's nice in there. You know, they give us coffee. If we want, we can have wine if you want. Um, just so that you can feel like you have nice stuff too and mm. not have to go somewhere else. Yeah. So, so, so the vibe is, is not just about the energy, but it's also about like, you're, you're creating this like sense of belonging, but there's, there's something that you just said around, like, you want people to feel like, it sounds like you're, like you're saying like self-worth, like, like, like this is your, this is your place. Like you can, you can relax, you can, you know, yeah. grab a nice coffee yeah. or drink a little wine. Like this is, this is kind of your, your, yeah. your escape for a little bit. Right. It does have like a little upscale feel to it. I did, um, you know, glitterize it a little bit. I have a chandelier in there just so that, oh, wow. you know, you can feel, you know, like you're, you're special and that you came here and you want to get pampered and you want to feel good. and You want to leave with great hair. So, yeah, that's the but then we have our music that makes you like really feel like, yo, I'm here. Got I've you. Arrived. Got you. So there's the balance. So that that yes. that music is is, is 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 not like a little French Sinatra. It's a little, you know, what I mean, it's, it's a little bit more grounded and organic um, yes. to go yeah. with the vibe that you've created. I yeah. am curious. How did you like? How did you get into hair? Like, how did you end up in like in in, in you know doing hair stuff? So I've always done it for like friends and family and then moving up here, you know, we didn't have anybody. There was one lady, um, she was really good. And then another lady moved in and she was really good. And then, but they both ended up leaving. So I'm like, wow, there's not really much of us that could like, you know, cater to the people that we have here and we want to look good too. So um, we don't always have to like, be doing it in someone's house or not to say that it's a bad thing, but as far as like seeing us progress, we want to be able to have to go somewhere and feel like we can get done up too. So um, I decided to really start doing it on the side. I did it out of my house um, and I just started building and building. And then finally, you know, there was always that one person you're like, ah, I got to get out of my house. Got you. So right. I moved into a little space and that's how I got started. When I first opened, I really had like maybe a handful of clients, but 
there was that African Caribbean celebration on right. Elm Street that yep. happens every summer. Um, so I made like these little flyers and there was like, I don't know, something silly like free washing style or something like that. And everyone's like, free? I'm like, oh, are you good? And I'm like, hey, you only you can only try me out, right? Wow, wow. When you but put I free on something, like, that's a serious attraction. Yeah. So I um, passed out about 100 of them, and I redeemed probably 70 of them. Wow. And that's how it started. That's incredible. That's amazing. So, it's like, and that's so cool to hear that, like, that festival is actually one of the thing that kind of upstarted so got good. you because i go there every year i've been going there since since i was little i've i've performed on it actually i performed on there earlier when i was in still in high school but um i love that festival every year i pack up my kids we're gonna go to the festival and and it's like one of the only thing that we really have here that brings everybody together and at that extent right. so so then you 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 pass it up you pass them out you, you started getting people coming in um how did you like so now it's like a business right so like at that point it's yes. like an actual business so, so how, how did you like i start getting busy and this is where it starts getting a little crazy because now i'm sorry I'm, I'm just moving you a little because sometimes you are in and out of the with the internet okay no problem so um i started i started um once I started, once I got everybody in there, I started really having no time because now people were coming like every week and it's like, oh my gosh. And it's just me. So I was there from probably like eight in the morning to about 10 o'clock at night, like wow. six days a week. It was crazy. So it was hard to maintain my time. And then I also have children and, you know, dealing with them and the husband, you got to deal with him too. So it was just a lot. So I'm like, okay, now I need to hire someone else and get someone else in there. So that's when I started building my team. And it wasn't always easy, you know, introducing someone into your team because sometimes they don't always have the same goals or the same outlook as you do um but in that moment you know that you need someone to distribute all that work and the, the demand so it was it was tricky at first but you know i got through it wow so 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 you started off on your own you moved out of your house got a little spot you're grinding out you go to the festival you pass with some flyers you're staying at work until 10 p.m. and you decide that you want to grow it out. And, and um, but you also realize that you got to welcome whoever comes and join your team has to have a certain mindset because yeah. you, you're building this energy. Right. You're building this 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 thing that's authentic to you. Right. And how how did how did like the idea from like just, you know, running a business to you actually becoming a businesswoman like how did that come about? Like, what were some of the challenges that you faced early on just regarding like running a business that you, you had to adapt and, um, and, and take on? So one of the main things that I find was like tricky or like maybe the mindset, I guess we automatically think, or some of us do that just because 
you have a business, you can do whatever you want. You can open whenever you want. Mm -hmm. You can spend the money how you want. It really doesn't work that way. So you have to have accountability. First, you need to make sure you're open every day, or at least when you say that you're going to be there. You can't just close whenever you want to because clients or customers are going to come in when they see that you're open at this time. And if you're not, you just lost some business or some sales or any, or whatever you're selling or offering. Um, another thing that I found that you can't just spend whatever profits you're making on whatever you want. They, money has to go back into the business so that it can continue to grow. So not and all that money is yours. It's, it's not yours. Oh. <laughs> it's not yours. You still have to buy product. You still have to keep your place clean. You still have to take care of all of your utilities and your rent and all that stuff. You know, it's the idea sounds, wow, you have a business, so you must be making it. You must be have. you must have this amount of money and all of this. And no, it doesn't go that way. Most people that have a business starting off have no money. Right. <laughs> Cause they're just trying to maintain and keep it open until, you know, they get established to where they can do different things or relocate the funds in a different way. Yeah. There's also something you said that I wanted to touch on a little bit. You said it, it shifted from not just being like how you wanted to approach your business, but then it also became more about your, your clients, you know, yes. their availability when they were, you know what I mean? When they were around and, and that started to shape how your business operated. And I think a lot of people don't, many entrepreneurs struggle with that transition because, yes. you know, the, the ignite is when you're creating it and, you know, you're excited about it, but then you get to a certain point where it's like, it's, it's not about you anymore because if it's, if it's a product, or a service that others are consuming, you have to cater to, you know, how receptive that they're going to be and when they are ready. So you got to meet them where right. they are. And, um, and a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with that because when you work a nine to five for someone else, it's like, they've already created a system for you to operate in. So you're just right. showing up and delivering, but when it's your own business, like it's not just about you showing up, but it's also about like, how do I continue to attract clients? How do I listen to their point of view? How do I, you know, it really becomes less and less about you. Um, and it becomes more about, you know, the, the intersection. Um, what, what's, what's one of the most rewarding part about you being a, um, a business owner and especially a, a woman of color being a business owner, a black woman? Um, I would have to say, Seeing, seeing some of the, the joy that people have or even just sharing their life experiences, like sit, having a customer sit in my chair, I get to pretty much share their life. They come in with stories or problems or happinesses and things that have happened in their life. And I actually share with them and um, I really become a part of their journey in life. I'm just like this little snippet of it, you know? So um, it's exciting to see what makes them happy, what makes them tick, 
and how I'm involved in that whole process um, and how I can even change the process. Because sometimes I'm asked, you know, my opinion on, you know, their life situation. And even though, you know how they say like a hairdresser is like a psychologist, mm-hmm. it's, it, I wouldn't say we're psychologists, but we do, um, we can sometimes influence um, someone's life or give input on anything that they're, I think that's probably the most fun part of my job. So, so the human connection. So beyond just, I, 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 in a lot of my work, I talk about the doing and the being. So the doing is actually what you're like the physical thing that you're doing. Right. So, um, and then the being is actually what happens internally as that right. engagement is happening. And for what, what I'm hearing from you is it's the human connection. It's the, the, it's the, it's the, the vulnerability that you hear from your clients. It's the connection, the trust, um, how how present do you have to be in order to you know i'm I'm just curious because like like if you're if you're doing hair like you're doing hair you know you know what i mean like you're in the zone like that that that's hard enough to make sure you don't mess up someone's hair but then now it's also it's also asking you to be emotionally connected every time every single time you have to be emotionally connected because you're really you're stepping into this person's space one and two they're asking you some serious questions like some some of the things i shouldn't even know about right you know what i mean and they really are confiding in you they're putting their trust in you so you have to be just as real as the question you know what I mean? Right, right. So, so it's it's your all. It's your your everything. Like each and each person is different. You have sometimes you got to turn it on. Sometimes you got to turn it off. Right. Um, and sometimes you got to step yourself outside of your own box to see where they're even coming from. You know. That's so. That's very interesting. And 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 the thing that I've realized a lot is that, like, unfortunately, we don't really have like intimate connection with each like like i used to coach adult learners when i i started off working at snoo for about four years and i helped develop a coaching model and we spent a lot of time coaching students on the phone and i remember hearing at times from some of the students and they were all adult learners so they're you know in their 50s 60s um 40s and they would it, like over and over early on i would hear man dude you know me more than anyone else i'm like Hold up. Like I, I talk you, I talk to you on the phone for 30 minutes every other week. Like, like right. you have a family, you have kids, you got people that reports to you. You got a husband, all this stuff. What do you mean? I know you more than, well, the way that I open up with you is very different than how I open up with other folks. Like this goal of me wanting to get my degree, it's forcing me to dig deeper. And I would hear that over and over again. And I'm like, man, like, are we just all just living an artificial life where we're not able to like have genuine connections with people that are around us? And, and are we really like held back that much to open up on who we are? So when people feel that trust and that connection, like they open up like, like, so, so you get to experience that like on a daily basis. Right. But it's, it's, it's also that you're, 
you're demonstrating and you're allowing them to see some of your genuine vulnerability that isn't working against you that mm. gives them that trust in you. Wow. So that permission too, right? So you're giving them yes. permission to, yes, to be open, but you're also like, there's also a level of like not judgment because when people feel judged, that's when people shut well, down. Yeah. And so yeah. like in, in a, a lot of our work, when I was at the university, I used to verbally have to tell students like, listen, I'm, I'm on your team. Like I'm not here. Like I'm, I don't assess your work. I don't grade it. I'm on your team. I'm only here to, to support you so you can accomplish this goal. Right. So there's nothing that you say to me or do will offend me. Cause this is not, this is not my journey. This is your journey. So that's one thing saying it, but then right. being able to demonstrate it as things play out. I remember one time a student was so mad because he kept submitting his, his, uh, his project, but the reviewer kept marking a certain area, the same area over and over again. And I remember he got on the phone, he emailed me, Dale, this is getting ridiculous. I'm about to drop off. I was like, let's get on the phone and just tell me how you feel. And I'm like, yeah. tell me when you want me to, to, to respond, but I'm just going to listen. And the student went off. He's like, bah, 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 bah. you know, I work night shifts. You know, yeah. like the only time I get, it's between like seven o'clock and 10 o'clock to do my schoolwork. And this is ridiculous. I've been stuck in the same thing for the last one month. What's wrong with this? This program is ridiculous. And I was just listening. I was like, man, I feel your frustration, man. I feel how hard, you know, that, that could be. And then it was funny in the midst of that, he goes, but just so you know, this is not this is not towards you. I'm like, don't worry about it. It's not about me. It's not this. This is not. I didn't create this program. Like, like I feel you, and um, and it was like I had like countless of experiences like that, and it was actually the most rewarding thing for me because it completely like disattached me from being the antagonist, from being the bad guy. So when that happens, it's like you're just there to like to to foster that and it's really cool that that happens with you in, in with the work that you do um how many like clients can you fit in a day it depends on the service so like if they're getting extensions it could be maybe two to three hours um if they're just getting like some maintenance or service it could be an hour or less so it really depends um i usually see about four a day um, and that's kind of like a mix. Okay. So, wow. And that's just for myself. Um, the other, um, stylists that are there, they can probably fit maybe two or three, three or four. And how many people do you currently have on your team? Um, there are six of us right now. Okay. Super. Um, how have you developed your skill set over the years? Like, what do you do as because I consider what you do like artistic, you're a creator, like you're an artist, right? So like, how do you keep up with like honing in and continuing to develop your skill set? Um, so like with anything that you do in life, you have to be inspired. Um, yes, you can be a creator, but where does your, where does it all come from? Like what moves you, what drives you? Um, what do you want to see next or, um, what do people like, you know? Um, so 
I I do like a lot of online training. I used to back in the day um, do a lot of like fashion shows, hair shows, go to makeup shows. I would be part of like different type of sets just so I can see how other people work. Even if I wasn't working, I would just ask to um, maybe just watch and how see how people move and interact just so I can get an idea of how to be either more professional or how to manipulate the hair more or different colors that go with other colors. Um, visiting a different city and seeing how the culture is there. Um, reading about different artists or fashion designers or hairstylists, just so that I can get, you know, form my own creative style. So I, I would do as much as I could just so that I can see as many things as I can um, in order to be able to develop my own. So it's, it's a long journey. And how, how do you find that balance between being a businesswoman, like leading your business, but also honing in your skills? Like, how do you find that balance? <laughs> I know. I, I didn't mean to come with all a hard question, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out, you know? So, okay. It's, it's tricky because in the beginning, I was just like, listen, I'm going to do this. I told my family, um, there are some days you're going to have to cook on your own. Maybe dad will cook. You can cook. Um, but I was literally thinking about how to make it big and that was it so anything i had to do whether it was even if it meant like not seeing my family for a day um because i was out of town at some fashion show or something like that um i was gonna do it but the thing about that is it takes away from what really matters in life which is your family, which is your sanity. Um, so as far as how to balance it, it's, it was really a learning curve for me to know what was important to me, um, for me to now, okay, I can only um, be away from my family this many days of the week and focus on work only on these certain days and you know, de-stress on this day. You know, so you really have to create a schedule for yourself. Um, if you have people in your corner, maybe you can delegate some of the work to them. But you really have to make sure that you are not putting too much on your plate. Um, learning how to de-stress and also having a schedule and sticking to the schedule just so that everything still gets done and you're still not going crazy in the process that that balance so that's what i'm hearing yeah. having a yeah. having an equal balance uh, across yeah. the board um so i i just so for me like i i struggle with that sometimes in terms of like ideas like i get ideas all the time so like i might be like watching something or hearing something and right all right away i have an idea oh, I can do that too. right so like i'm just like yeah. I, I gotta get to this and like 
We have like, do you have like 10 different notebooks? Oh man. Oh, like, <laughs> like this is literally one of my pads. Like I just, this is probably like the 10th one yeah. in the last like month and a half. And this, yeah. the crazy part is most of the time, like I don't even go back to it. I don't yes. even go back to it. That's I just write I mean. it. You have like a bunch of notebooks. It's down. I'm going to remember it if I see it again. Right. But and the, yeah, the same, yeah. that's like that and also the note on the phone. So I'm always taking, and then the screenshots, that's the thing that I need to work on. I need to find a therapist around that. Like I take screenshots of pictures of stuff. All I'm like, I need that. I need to remember that. And then I realized like, oh snap, like I haven't gone back to that thing that I thought I needed so, so much. But I, I also wanted to touch on like the family thing a little bit. Like I heard this a couple of years ago and, um, uh, and it actually came from T.D. Jake. So I know everybody has their own perspective on T.D. Jake. Gosh, I love T.D. Jake. Um, Go ahead. He, he said, as, as a father, a husband, and an entrepreneur, he realized at one point that he, he wasn't going to hit everything 100% on a daily basis. And he said the pressure of being able to accomplish all and also he's like a, a mega pastor of a mega church so that's another thing in there so those four thing so one of the thing there's a couple of things he said i would love to break it apart here so one thing he said he's he realized that he needed to be intentional to reflect and be able to identify what he didn't hit that day to make sure that he hit it the next day so it wasn't the same stuff that he wasn't hitting on a consistent basis and right. on top of that, he also said he needed to identify folks that he can trust outs with, with the outside work, with the entrepreneur stuff that he could appoint to, to be the lead. And he was more delegating the responsibility. But then he said from the family standpoint, he said I, he had to make sure that if he dropped the ball on being a husband that day, that tomorrow he wasn't dropping the ball on being a husband, vice versa. If he dropped the ball on being a dad today, that tomorrow he wasn't dropping the ball on being a dad. So like, like it, it hit me so hard when I listened to it. It was like a couple of years ago. And like, it's actually like kind of part of like my model now. Like when I, when I'm, when I get to balance what the give and take, like I'm always reflecting on, all right, like if I'm going to drop this today, like tomorrow I have to make sure that I'm, I'm not dropping the same thing. And, um, and it also takes away from the pressure too, knowing that like, Hey, you're not going to hit everything a hundred percent, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're just going to be careless about it because if those are the stuff that's meaningful to you, then you have to create the space to, to make sure that you're also meeting that. Um, and, um, so that's kind of like my, that's how I approach stuff. Like I'm always like, it's, it's an opportunity cost. Like when I was, when I was working on my MBA, I had this crazy teacher. He was awesome. He's originally from Iran and he would say like, he's like, everything in life is opportunity costs, Dale. If you giving up one thing for another, the other thing is not free. It just means you're giving it up. And, and but he would say that all the time. He's like everything like, is an opportunity. Why, why you keep saying that? He would say that all the time. Man, I was just a young black dude trying to figure out life, and then I realized down the road, I was like, holy crap! Like it's true. Like everything is opportunity cost. Like there's a cost to everything that we decide to do, and if the stuff that we say are important, if we can't prioritize on it, 
then essentially those things are not important because we're not creating the space to be able to um, to commit to it. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of like where I find balance. And 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 um, and then when there's opportunity to integrate my family in what I'm doing that that might be work related or something fun or something community related, I, I take them in. So I started bringing my kids to the bring it after school program when they were younger, um, when my son, I think he was like three and a half, my oldest. I was like, dude, you got to start coming with me. And another side of it, too, he was even just the socialization like he like. He needed some social aspect, you know, he's yeah. the only child at, at, at that time. So he, he was scared of people that he didn't know all the time. So I started to bring him a Hillside Middle School at the after school program. And then when my middle child was born and he became more mobile, I started bringing him at two. So they were out there with me while I'm teaching dance and, and, and socializing with the community because that was something that I can that was doable. Right. Like it wasn't just like. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working nine to five and then some days of the week, like I'm there in the evening. I was like, all right, so I, I gotta, if I'm going to continue to do this, I got to find a way to also make sure that my kids are also, that I'm with them, but they're also experiencing this. So therefore I'm going to have to drive home, pick them up. Even though it was a bird, it felt like a little, like, you know, like inconvenient, right? Like I got to drive home, get all the car seat. Remember car seats, car seats, pack their snack. We got to bring some diapers with us. Like, in the middle of classes, I'm teaching. I'm like, hold up, guys. I got to go change it. He got to go to the bathroom. Like, it's, But if they are also a priority, I needed to find a way to integrate them into that experience. And um, but, yeah, it's one of those things like entrepreneurs like struggle with time is a uh, time imbalance is like a, a big thing. So I so yeah. So, so sorry for cutting you off. That's OK. I remember bringing my kids to the salon, too. And I'm like, hey, take all the hair out of this brush and put them in this water. You're going to fold all these towels. Oh, you got them working. So they, they wasn't just hanging out. You got them working, working. Wow. <laughs> they were folding towels, sweeping the floor, you know, after they did homework and stuff. But yeah, you do. You just have to, you have to get it done and you still have to make sure that you're there with them. Can't be that absent. I mean, right. nothing can make you that absent. So I'm going to fast forward. Okay. You, you have a team of six people working with you. You have now you're, 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 you know, 17, 19 years in, you know, ever, you know, 19, 17, 18 years, 13 years of building this, this business. And you, you never thought in a million years that there would be a pandemic that will actually put the world on stop. And this thing happens. This thing happens a month and, you know, two and a half, three months ago where everything gets shut down. Your services is in person. So you can't like virtually send a robot at your client's home for them to braid hair or do hair. Like your, your services are personal. You got to be there with the people. Yep. So, so, so this is like mid March. Like, how are you, like, where's your mind during this time? Like, what are you thinking? Like, how, how are you adjusting to this like craziness? Did you, you know, like, I'm curious to know from your perspective. So the first two, okay, we, we closed our salon down and on March 20th was our last day. Okay. So in the beginning, it just seemed like it was going to be a two week thing. So, you know, I, and I sure, I'm sure I'm not the only one that did this, but we were kind of like, 
I don't want to say excited that we were on this little break. Oh, but a little was, break, a little break. Yeah, you know, I was like, wow, you know, quarantine, still looking cute for quarantine. And, you know, <laughs> force, force vacation, so right? Force vacation. Yes. Why not? It was like a it was like a bad joke because, oh, wait, now we're into it by like three and a half weeks and we're still in our house and we still can't go outside and clients are like, girl, when are you going to be open? And I'm like, ah, I can't tell you that, you know, because every week it was different. Every week we were staying inside. So I couldn't give anybody a date. So it started to like build up in my mind, like, all right, so I still need to make money somehow right? because I still have bills. Um, the only thing that I felt that I could do was to somehow interact with people on social media. Um, so I tried to, um, I, I don't want to say comfort people, but kind of gave them like a sense that I was doing okay right. so that they would understand that everything else was going to be okay i became more like like the person that you go to when you feel like you're down a little bit and like because i have such a relationship with my customers and my clients i was reaching out to them a little bit just like hey you know how are you doing how's your hair doing you know but i found that during the whole quarantine I was really working on myself. Mm. The grind and the hustle and all of that had stopped. And I actually had a chance to breathe and to reset my mind so that I can, whatever was coming after this, that I could be somewhat ready for at least mentally, you know? Right. And I figured out that Life is more than just making money. Yeah, you need it for the bills and everything, but family and happiness and sanity are so important that if you don't have it right in your mind, you can't have it right for anybody else right. or any other thing. So... I just started doing things that made me happy. I was working out more. Thank goodness. I started riding my bike. I was actually home to cook for my family, have little conversations. You, um, you were having dance parties too. I think I might have saw gosh, some dance party yes. on, on, on Facebook. I, I got to do a dance party. I haven't been out in so long and I got to go out with the nice dance party that he was doing on um, Instagram, which was cool. Um, but Really, I got to reconnect with myself and find out what I really wanted in life. Um, not to mention, I made a few videos on some wigs that I was selling. So I was started making a little bit of income there. Um, but other, other than that, I was just getting myself back together as far as Katia, just Katia. So, so it was it was a recalibrating moment time for yeah. you where I'm curious, like what what made you come to that realization? Because a lot of I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, right? Like for so many people during that time, like why did that ended up being the lane that you took? 
where you were more receptive to say, hey, this might be a time for me to actually work on myself. Like, I'm curious to know, because everybody had their own ways of dealing with it. I mean, we're still in it. Like, we're not, we're right. not completely right. out of it. But it's, it's fascinating that that's where you went. So um, being in the hustle and bustle all the time, you, you get lost and you just feel like you're on this one road. And when there's a roadblock, you either go around it if there's a way. I mean, right now we we had the Great Wall of China, so we weren't right. going anywhere. Right. But um, when there's nothing you can do, or when you don't see that there's another way or another option, maybe the problem isn't that thing. Maybe it's you. You know, so or maybe you just need a break or maybe you need to connect or reconnect with the source or meditate or pray or whatever you guys or whatever, whatever people call it. now. Right. You know, um, sometimes you just need to do that because you haven't been doing that or you haven't been doing enough of that just so that you can see that where you were or where you thought you wanted to be may not have been what is right for you at that time. So reconnecting with yourself can open up your eyes to other options that you may not have ever seen because you were just traveling on this one path. Right. So that was so eye-opening for me that it has made me rethink my whole world to where I thought I wanted to do one thing, but now I'm like, I could do anything. That oh, I she's want. ready. She's ready. You know? There's so much more that can be done. And it really should involve reconnecting and helping other people because really that's where the need is because the more we help the more connected we are to other people the happier we will be because who doesn't like knowing that you have someone that you can talk to or someone that has an answer or can direct you in the right answer mm. or get you out of your mood or anything who wouldn't want that but all of us have that in us to be able to give and to receive but we just have to know how to give and how to receive in our own personality mm. You know, and that's when, and that's what I realized during this whole quarantine. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So what's, I have two questions for you left. Okay. This, this, this first one is regarding your business. So now that this is, we're kind of reopening now, what is, what is your goal for your business? Like, where do you want to go with it? But also like, how do you want people to to know your business for 
when people think of your business, how do they want, how do you want them to know, to know your business for it? But then also what's your goal for it? Like, where, where do you want to go? Where do you want to take it? Right. Um, and if you like it the way it is, you can just say, oh, I'm, I'm cool. It's good, it's right. good way it is. Um, so I think that if people don't evolve or change just even a little bit of what they're doing, they never grow. So I'm not really sure what I want for my business. Other than that, I want people to feel at home there. I want to, I want them to feel that they can, they have a place where they can go and they can feel like they actually got help or um, they can feel like they are somewhat safe emotionally with their, with their own kind of beauty. Because mm. um, right now we are, we service like a lot of families that are blended. So whether they, the parents are, Caucasian and they are adopting black children or multiracial children. We servicing a lot of them right now. So what I'm finding is that a lot of the children don't have, I want to say confidence in their own look. I don't know if they are confused or if they, don't feel like they have a connection or if they're just not confident with their own look. Um, I want to somehow touch some aspect of their life somehow to make them feel like they are okay. And where they are in life is just a stepping stone, you know? Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's great. And, and, um, and, and you, and you, you have the ear to, to be able to hear what's happening within the facility that you're in. And, and, and that's like, the more you are present in that, the more you, you get the insight of what you need to do in order to continue to drive that, that mission that you want to drive. Right. So I, um, I have to, my, my last question has to go, it has to go here and, okay. I, and I don't want to go here, but I, I have to. So as a mother of how many children do you have? Do you have two kids, three kids? So I have four boys, four boys. No, well, including my husband. <laughs> so I have three, <laughs> I have three boys. You um, included your husband in there. That counts. Yeah. That counts. It's funny because when he's with my older two, they just, they look like brothers. So, and everyone's like, what? I didn't know you had three. I'm like, listen, don't put an extra one on. <laughs> but um, I have three boys um, and they age almost 21, 19, and three at the end of this month. Wow. So 21, 19, and three. Yes. So what like 
what have you instill in your children as as black kids yep. in terms of how they carry themselves or how they see the world around them knowing that the system that's put in place doesn't always favor us yes and um, yeah I'm, I'm just i'm just curious i'm curious from your perspective on that so my husband is worse than i am he will just straight tell you no you ain't going stay your butt at home but it's scary because when they're out there you don't know what's gonna go down you know um but I do, I have told them that no matter what, you need to be respectful. You need to listen. And if it doesn't feel right, that means it isn't right. You know you shouldn't be in certain places if the mood is wrong, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, don't, don't get yourself in a position that you know is already messed up because then you're part at fault. Okay. But as far as the whole movement, but I'm curious to know, even just like in terms of like their own identity, right? Like, like I I don't even like the, the externality is its own thing. Right. But like, even like when, when they were like, just how you've raised them in terms of like their own identity and how they see themselves and how they, you know, the agency be that you. they have. Yeah. I'm curious Just to know. Be you, be you, do you, you know, you don't have to be anybody else because there's only one you. And like, I remember my, my second child, he has a lot of friends and he um, likes a lot of sneakers. He's very flashy. He's like the cool kid. And, you know. He got I'm the like, swag. Yeah. I'm like, you know, you don't have to do all that. You're already cool. You know? And I remember my husband saying to them when they were like eight and nine, he said to them, your mom and I had you. And when we had you, we asked that you would already have the cool in you. Mm. So you guys are already cool. So anything that someone wants to put on you or tell you or change your mind in doing, you already are cool. So don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to pretend like you have to act like or look like or be like someone else because it's going to be cool, but you're already cool. Mm. So I think they they looked at that and they're living that because they are they really are cool. That's they're awesome. Just like these, they're, they're like luckily I'm grateful that they aren't into any like drugs or alcohol. Um, I think that they're dating. Hey, <laughs> but they don't really say anything to me. Right. Um, if they do have any problems, they ask me random questions. I think because I'm that mom that wants to know, but 
maybe I just don't need to know everything. Right. Um, but, but they know that you're there, right? It sounds like they know that you and your husband are there. But when I hear them talking to their friends, I can hear them saying the same things that we've told them. Like, they're like, bro, you don't even have to do all that. You're already got it. Like you're, you're, you know, um, so it's really just letting them know that they already have everything they need to be the best person they can be. And, 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 and that, and that's what it's about, right? It's like what you and your husband have been able to cultivate your, you get to see it. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately that the, the, what happened externally it constantly confronts yeah. the principles that you guys have instilled and, and it's a battle every day for them to be able to, you know, rely back on the reinforcement of what you guys have instilled in them. And it's like, so it's like ongoing, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's, um, and it's a fascinating thing. I mean, I, so I grew up with five boys in my family. I'm the oldest. And, um, and I kind of had to play like a father of early on at a very young age, but it's a fascinating dynamic because when I started having children, like I, I wasn't scared about the father role because I, I already experienced it. Yeah. But what I was naive to was the emotional commitment that I had towards my brothers to a certain extent was also driven by the responsibility that was given to me that I had no choice, but to contribute to. Mm -hmm. And it was more system oriented, right? Like reinforcing, like what my mom put down on me, reinforcing it with my brothers. So, so I had that all figured out in terms of my, like being a father. But the thing that I, I needed to develop, which my wife has taught me a lot about was actually being compassion like like one like actually receiving yeah like like having that emotional commitment to one being vulnerable to accept the type of emotions that comes with what my kids are doing and how it makes me feel because i i I, obviously like i i shouldn't even been in the father role position but to compare and not knowing exactly what those emotions are and how to embrace it, I had to kind of learn it from from my wife because she was the one who was like, hey, like, you, it's OK for you to like, you got to be able to embrace these emotions. And and I kind of had to go through that transformation because I was like, I, I didn't know what it was like. I And, and even growing up in a, an African family, like being from the Congo, like the f- most father figures don't there's no emotional investment yeah. in the relationship between you and your kids it's it's more you know the dads are out there grinding and you know they love you yeah. but like that emotional aspect is just not there like there's no lovey-dovey like kind of thing like you don't like jump on your dad's lap and give him a hug and say, oh, I love you. you know what i mean like you know you know what i mean it's like it doesn't really like like what like you're you were hanging on your dad's lap like that's that's not really but so like I had to like learn all these new things around how to just be present and be vulnerable to accept. And um and it's been a fascinating thing because I also have mixed children, but two of them, the black side is dominant. Like people wouldn't even know that they have white in them. Um and I know that the the world will 
judge them and have pre-notion of who they are based on their just their skin color or the type of hair they have or whatever. And I so I remember growing up like my mom like really instill that 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 value like you were talking about that you and your husband instill in your children where like she like I remember she got a lot of pressure when she started cornering braiding my hair when I was in middle school and that and that pressure was even from it was more from the African and black community because yeah. they were afraid they were afraid if we had certain attributes yes. that the society was going to cross us out like if Bernadette, you're young, you know, you have four boys, you know, five boys and, you know, play, Don't walk, make them look right, like exactly that. walk yeah. a fine line with them because, you know, they was, they was wearing really baggy clothes or they has braids like, you know, the society is not going to, it's not going to accept him. But that's, that's what they were saying, but that's not what they said, right? They were more direct, like Bernadette, why, why are you braiding? And I remember my mom just had to reinforce that in us. Like, listen, I, I've endured the craziest experience with you guys getting out of Congo, like, I want you guys to be who you want to be, but we're going to focus on your character. And we grew up like super, super strict. Like there was like no TV after seven o'clock and school nights, um, no sleepovers. Like, like, yeah, we didn't have sleepovers. Either. You know, it was like no TV after seven o'clock on Sundays. Um, she even went as far as like, she cut cable out for like a good amount of time. Like, like, no, there was just certain stuff that was like super, super strict just because she wanted to make sure that that that, you know, that we, we develop discipline. And it's crazy because some of those attributes I still like like on a weekday, like <laughs> I still think like I can't really do anything. Like when people are like, oh, you want to hang out on a Wednesday night? I'm like, bro, like that's that's a work date. Like, you know, what I mean? so like a lot of those stuff are still there just because. But but yeah, so like now as, as, a, as a father, like I, I'm constantly trying to like just pour into my kids as much as I can so I can re, re reinforce to them who they are and, 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 um, you know, the principles that they have to hold on to. And, uh, it's been a very fascinating thing and it's, it's, and it's going to be ongoing. And I think as, as, as the society to a certain extent are becoming more open to understand the black cry, hopefully that there's systematic changes that comes along with this. So quote unquote awakening. And I don't want to, and I don't want to put it in quotes, yeah. but, um, but yeah, cause, cause in the, in the black community, there's, there's also other challenges that, that, that comes about, but thank you so much for sharing that. And I, and I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate you being able to, um, to come on my podcast today and, this was really awesome. If, if people for my listeners who are struggling or thinking about being entrepreneur or whatever it is, my, you know, my podcast is about persevere to excel. What would your, your suggestion, what, what would like a nice, like suggestion or recommendation would be for those who are hanging on or thinking about what that next move is for them? I would say never give up never give up always give your 100 percent um there are always going to be people around you that are going to tell you that you can't do it or that you shouldn't do it but deep down you know that this is where you want to be or at least you want to try it never give up um keep going do your research 
and definitely make sure you pray about it. A hundred percent. Well, Katia, thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome. This was amazing. Um, I hope one day, you know, when this COVID stuff is done and over with, we can do like another one at your actual like salon and that would be nice. give people a, a real vibe of the energy that, that happens in there. Um, and, um, you know, if you're listening to this, I will put Katia stuff on the podcast link and also on the video promo. So you can check out her salon if you live locally. And, um, and yeah, and if you just want to reach out to her, like, you know, I'll, I'll put, I'll put her, uh, her, her Facebook stuff and just reach out and figure out what's going on. There's a community here, even though New Hampshire is not as diverse, there's a community of, um, business owners, right. People of color, there's, there's a community, there's community here. So, uh, we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're supporting one another, but we're also building that connection. And, um, thank you so much. Thank you.